Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Holy cow, it's a Saturday morning again already. Welcome into the program. What's up? Great to have you along for the ride today. Good Saturday as we get you up and moving for another one. A dreary one this morning. I'm loving it. It is beautiful temperatures. It is nice and rainy and dreary. I can dig this all day long. Welcome into the show. Great to have you along for the ride today. It's Kansas Talk. I'm Andy Hoosier right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we got a lot to talk about, don't we? We have one more episode after this show. Next weekend, our last episode of Kansas Talk for 2022. Andy, what do you mean? Well, I mean, after that, we got Christmas Eve, we got New Year's Eve, and I will not be coming in those early mornings so we'll be enjoying a little bit having some time off so next weekend our final episode of kansas talk right here on 2022 on the big talker kqam which means today we got a lot to talk about because today we're going to be talking some politics we have the legislative session of 2023 right around the corner our leadership has been officially announced at least in the house of representatives the senate vote i was looking as we were just talking off the air a little bit i think the senate leadership votes coming up either today or relatively soon but it's uh Right around the corner, which means we have an agenda. We have some items that need to be addressed that uh, what needs to be a priority for our session of 2023. We'll get into some of that. Yes, we're going to have the conversation today. The medical marijuana bill in Kansas. Good idea, bad idea. I want your thoughts on it. Welcome in. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Coming up in hour number two. We're going to play our interview with U.S. Senator James Langford out of the state of Oklahoma as we chatted with him earlier in the week on the Voice of Reason, our national broadcast. I'm going to replay that interview. Fascinating information with him going on with the Senate vote and what they're trying to ram through Democrats. Man, they are relentless trying to get through their agenda before they transition to power when hopefully we can become relatively stagnant on some of their agenda in Washington, D.C. So we got all that coming up on hour number two. Hour number one, we had to have this guy back on the program to wrap up 2022, get ready for 2023, all the big changes going on in the community. And it's just been a while since we've had him on. So as we do our county update. It's been too long since I've played that. Jim Howell, Central County Commissioner. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Christmas to you. Can you believe it's that time of year already? I can't believe it. It is unbelievable how fast this year has gone. <laughs> I thought we were like the middle of the year and we had a lot of time to work on this stuff. And now the elections are done. The transition's happening. Uh, this year, we've almost kind of sort of opened up everything after COVID, but uh, it was kind of the transitional year, wasn't it? Well, you know, actually, I uh, heard the news yesterday. It is... Uh Policy makers across the country right now are, are teetering on the ideas of mask mandates again. It's just unbelievable to me. Yeah. No, I think it's behind us, and I'm glad it's over. But uh, think about it, since March of 2020, we've been jacking with this uh, pandemic, and I think I, you know, I, I put a nail in that coffin. I think it's over. We need to move on. It needs to be. Even with the tridemic is what the health officials are saying now with all these schools across Kansas that are being closed because so many kids are out being sick. I have my theory on it, and I think it's due to the couple of years of us forcing mask mandates and forcing the isolation exactly. and not being around anybody that we our body has forgotten how to actually deal with the flu. So, yeah, we're getting sick, but the flu is not 
as severe as what they're saying. It's just the fact that we forgot how to fight it. Uh, so now you're right. They're trying to push these mask mandates again with RSV, with the flu, with COVID. They're trying to scare us into this again, but we just need to get back to normal. I totally agree. And I, uh, I actually feel like people around in this community, at least, I think for the most part, have moved on. Um, yeah. But, you know, this is flu season and this RSV is certainly a big thing. And the hospitals right now are, again, they're sounding the, the warnings that they're full. But I'll tell you, I don't think that they actually have a lack of beds. I think it's lack of uh, lack of nursing. Sure. You know, that's really the biggest problem is they don't have the staff. That is true. We saw the headline a few weeks ago of the nurses that unionized at Ascension via Christie Hospital, and they're trying to advocate for better conditions because they're short-staffed, which, correct me if I'm wrong, Commissioner, I thought that the reason for a lot of the shortages was because there was the vaccine mandate for doctors and nurses, and they let go of a lot of their staff while they're complaining about being short-staffed. I mean, is that part of it? No. I Well, it may be a small part of it. I think okay. the bigger part of this is that there's a lot of folks that could just retire, and they were just mm-hmm. like, I'm not putting up with this, and not they, just, with they just checked out. And on top of that, the federal government funded a traveling nurse program, which, again, I think is intended to be you know, a sub-region of some area, like a state or a city or a county or whatever, but uh, a worldwide pandemic doesn't seem to fit that narrative, and yet the, the federal government just pumped in a, enormous amounts of taxpayer subsidies to to prop up a traveling nurse program, and that has caused havoc. Sure. You ask anybody in any one of these hospitals, any of the admin, any of the admin folks, they'll just tell you, well, the biggest problem we had was our nurses quit and mm. went down the street and got, you know, four times more money. So... I don't know how much that's still going on right now, but because there is a staffing shortage, I think the traveling nurse program is still alive and well. Sure. It is it's it is wreaking havoc. So federal government, once again, they try to create a solution and make things worse. <laughs> that's usually the case that's when they, way, yeah. they always, oh, we're going to solve the issue. They always make things uh, 10 times worse. Well, I hope the nurses do get the staff that they need. They do need the resources. They do need to be able to help the, the people the best way they can. Uh, it is sad. But yet with RSV cases now, there we're going to talk to some doctors actually in the program next week. Uh, with uh, Hope Family Medicine, Dr. Christina Gonzalez. She'll be on the program with us to talk about ways to help during flu season because they're saying, and even Adrian Burns with the with the health department here, has said that we haven't even peaked during flu season yet. We're not, not even, even the prime time yet. Not even, yeah, not even close. I think that the, uh, the the flu season gets started about this time, maybe, maybe even a little bit earlier than this, but it really peaks like in January, February, March. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, the worst is still ahead of us, but hospitals are... Hospitals are already here. It's saying that they're full. I don't know how much that's flu and how much this is RSV. And RSV is not just for children. It actually can affect older adults as well. So sure. Um, anyway, it's certainly, and I think you are exactly right. I think that the isolation that we forced ourselves to go through since the uh, early part of 2020 has actually had a, a factor on this. One thing, you know, I'm not an expert on immuno, immunology, I guess, but. Uh, I do think that frequent ex, you know, exposure to, uh, to germs and little you know, viruses and things like that keeps our immune system strong. So you you know, that's what it. happens. Right? Yeah. You, you have to be exposed right. to it. You have to learn how to build it. And then we become so dependent on, not to rail on vaccines, but we have to become dependent on vaccines so much now that our body doesn't know how to actually handle it and actually build antibodies naturally when we do get exposed to this stuff. So it's a conversation that, that's been fun to have for the last couple of years. It's sad that we're still dealing with this stuff, but hopefully there's no talks right now within the county to put, try and put on mandates or recommendations or anything like that again right now. No, I can tell you right now right. that even Ryan Beatty, I, you know, Ryan Beatty is, <laughs> has been solid on this topic. And I can think, I think, I think even the other two commissioners that seem to support a lot of that mandate stuff, you know, uh, Commissioner Dennis and Commissioner Meitzner, I think that they have right now, they have, uh, 
let me just say it's like kind of almost like buyer's remorse. They're not going to do it again. They, sure. they know that this was devastating to our economy. It was devastating to our businesses. Um, it did. It probably didn't have much effect actually on the the final outcome of what we what we suffered in, in this community in terms of uh, you know. Uh, damage, you know, human suffering and damage from this actual uh, pandemic. Uh, I think it's one of those things where you can go through all these efforts to try to to mitigate uh, exposure, but really it's just not making a huge difference because it's so it's so communicable. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you really can't stop. You can't stop someone from being exposed to it. It's just not this just not it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And so we went through all this effort trying to stop exposure and I think at the end of the day, all it really, all that actually did was destroy the economy. And and I think right now, uh, what we're seeing on the federal level with uh, double digit inflation, uh, price of gas, commodity shortages, the supply chain messed up the way that it is, um, is all goes back to the idea that even nationally, everywhere, we tried to control a pandemic that really wasn't controllable. Sure. And so, you know, I think that if anything at all. Hopefully, we've learned a lesson. This is not the way to do it. And I think it comes down to personal responsibility, having, uh, you know, get good sleep, uh, take your vitamins, uh, be, you know, be, you know, eat, eat with, eat healthful foods, um, avoid people that are sick. And if you're sick, try to stay from other, away from other people. But the idea that you're not going to be exposed, I think that that's just one, one part of this I don't think was actually ever proven. And I don't know that we actually had any different outcomes because of all the effort that was made to avoid exposure. I don't think that was actually uh, proven. So Yeah, that is true. The next question is going to be whether the school districts try to do something now with all the kids that are being out. Because, I mean, just this week there were two districts in the state that actually shut down the school completely just because there were a number of teachers and students that were out sick. So uh, that's a conversation I think that's going to be the next one to have. You mentioned Ryan Beatty. Let's talk about recapping the elections from this year. Very interesting indeed, as Lacey Cruz is on the way out, Ryan Beatty on the way in, some of the transitions. But uh, your thoughts just on the election season overall from the state and county level and what you get to look forward to for the next year. Well, I'm actually um, I'm very disappointed in the governor's race. I I have to say I, I'm not the only one that's saying this right now, but I think the Dennis Pyle factor just just took it away from Republicans. Yep. Um I'm, I know him from a long time ago. I used to serve in the, in the Kansas House for mm-hmm. a couple of terms, and he was there then. I would, I would tell you, I, don't, I was never impressed with his leadership. I think he was uh, very critical of everyone, uh, left and right. Um, he was uh, very difficult to get along with, I thought. But I can't imagine him being governor. So you know, the, cha- the, the fact is he had no chance of getting elected. I think everybody knew that except for him. But uh, if you look at the numbers, the the numbers that he actually got in that election cycle are almost exactly what Derek Schmidt was short. Yeah, and I think there's a few other people that just because of Dennis Pyle, maybe they voted, they just, they chose not to vote. You know, I don't I don't know. But at the end of the day, this was a uh, overall the election was uh, was a for most for most districts was a big yawn, and I say that because. Um, Jerry Moran won easily. Ron Estes won easily. The only real dis- congressional district that was was really uh, contested and hot was the Amanda Atkins and Sharice Davids race up in District 2. Sure. <clears throat> the District 3. I always forget which one that is. Anyway. Yeah, Jake Turner had a tight one for a while, but a then he, he kind of jumped ahead right at the end he there. He did pretty good. Yeah. But you look at that ballot, um, if you get, you know, down the, the governor's race was the biggest draw, and even that wasn't very exciting. I think a lot of Republicans are... Our uh, short-term memory—they are—they're actually fine with Laura Kelly, and they were not excited to go vote against her. 
and I think a lot of uh, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people just I don't know why, but they just weren't excited about firing Laura Kelly, and they they didn't really know much about Derek Schmidt, and I and I don't know how to change that, but. The top of the ticket, which is usually the big draw, just yeah. wasn't a big draw. And if you go on down the down the ticket, we had I, I think uh, uh, altogether I think about thirty something judicial races. If you look at retention and and, and uh, uh, district court judges, and every one of those was uncontested. Sure. Like, of course, retention elections are, un, are uncontested by nature, but people just say, "Well, vote for one." There's only one name, so they vote for the one, or they just skip it all together. And uh, um, the state, the state house races, Senate senators were not up this year, and uh, House members, most of those were uncontested. Yeah. So until you get down to the very end of the ballot, there's a couple of constitutional amendments. I, I guess we'll just say that I say this: people were not excited, and the turnout was low, and I think it proves my point. Well, by the way, it wasn't low just in Sedgwick County; it was low statewide. statewide. Yeah. Exactly. So um, at the end of the day, I, I blame the Republicans for not turning out that we we have four more years of Laura Kelly. Because Republicans, frankly, didn't care. There were a couple of races like that. Like you said, the governor's race for sure. And the weird thing was the governor's race with Derek Schmidt, for the Republicans at least, had less votes and Republicans turned out to vote for the Republican candidate there than some of the other races. Chris Kobach with Attorney General had more votes in that race as Secretary or as Attorney General than uh, what the governor's race did. So that was kind of fascinating to me. And then you mentioned the constitutional amendments, that First Amendment lost by less than a percentage point. It was that they had to go all the way down to the canvassing finalization for it to actually be confirmed because of how tight race that was. So it was definitely an interesting race. And it's interesting to me that, again, I feel like the, the uh, maybe the value of the both amendment from the primary election cycle as people distrustful of the legislature. These are mm. the people's representatives. These are your, these our representatives in government. And if we don't want them to make the laws and make the rules, then what are we asking for? The bureaucrats. And I can't believe that one failed. I just, yeah. I'm just shocked by the fact that this, we would rather have bureaucrats making rules that are de facto laws rather than our, our elected representatives. Well, that is so, so, so strange. I know. it. I don't understand it. It's It was a very strange one indeed. It, uh, we can try it again. I think we will try it again. Maybe we can do some stuff in the legislature to maybe uh, revive it a little bit as well. But uh, definitely very strange one. we got to take a break here real quick. Cedric County Commissioner Jim Hell in studio with us here. We'll talk about some county issues going into the next year, what the priorities are for the next year. We'll recap some of the elections as well. The new makeup of the county commission and a lot of stuff to get to today. Plus, I want to hear from you at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. It's Candace Talk right here on a Saturday morning on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Back into Kansas Talk, 24 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday morning. So I get so much crap from the guys over on the lovely sports station KGSO about my Christmas music. I love it, actually. I, You know, I you got to keep it upbeat. You got to keep it. it exciting and upbeat. They give me so Andy, that's not Christmas music. That's your hard rock and roll. Like, this is not my hard rock and roll, but hey, you know, you got to keep it exciting. <laughs> if you want to hear my hard rock and roll, they actually made a metal Christmas album that I have and it is one of the best albums that I listen to every single year. Should, you should give us a little sample of that. 
<laughs> uh, you know what? <laughs> we can, we might be able to bring some of that up. Might okay. be able to bring some of that up uh, right. for some of the outro music. There it is. Jim Howell, Central County Commissioner, in studio with us here for this hour. Uh, on the county level, just kind of give a, a recap of this year on some of the big projects you guys have worked on and some of the big things you guys have been doing. But uh, how does... How are we wrapping up 2022 in Cedric County? Well, I guess uh, boy, there's a lot to talk about. That's a huge question. Question. Thank you, Andy. Um, probably one of the bigger things right now is uh, you know spending some of that ARPA money that federal government basically handed out 100 million dollars here and 100 million dollars there. So we, we had some money to spend uh, for COVID relief, and uh, some of that money went. We, by the way, we're we are down to very little bit of that left, and most of that money is going to uh, private businesses at this point. But, um, and if anybody wants to know more, know more about that, let me know. Uh, there's, there may be some opportunities still, but very little at that point. But we did move out of the uh, courthouse. And that's, right. that, that's a pretty big deal, I think. Yeah. Um, we are remodeling, uh, I think, five floors of the courthouse, making them ready for expanded court operations. We are actually way behind on some of the uh, court cases that are piling up, as a consequence of COVID. Yep. But we, even though we actually held court the entire time, most of the counties across the state shut down court entirely. We did not do that here, but we got we did fall way behind. And so, one thing we we know we've always we've been behind for a long time, but COVID made it worse. And so we just need to get the get these courtrooms uh, set up. We actually do have what's called a drug court, which is. Uh, uh, people who have been arrested for committing small crimes that are uh, that are proven to be on drugs, they can uh, suspend those charges if they go through drug programming to get them off their drugs. Um, it takes about a year to go through that program. We have right now additions of a very similar, a veterans court and a, uh, a mental health court that are being added uh, sure. during this time. So um, we're going to get caught up on our courts. That's probably one of the bigger things right now. We moved over to what we call the, it's called the Ruffin Building at 100 south broad or north broadway at the corner of broadway and douglas as you guys are working on now the permanent location that's exactly what i'm going here with yeah. this and i think that when uh, we see ryan Beatty come in i hope that we can settle this issue of a permanent admin building i don't think uh, staying, staying in the rough and building is a good is a good answer because it's just too expensive to lease that it's very nice space sure but it comes with a premium price and i don't think that's what the taxpayers would want so we need we need to save, we need to save some taxpayer money get into something a little bit more frugal and taxpayer conscious so I expect we'll probably have that discussion probably in January and February of this next uh, this next year. And I, I would be I would not be surprised if you see us move in the next couple of years to a uh, much more modest and downtown office area. We'll we'll see how that goes. Sure. Now I know the last conversation we had about that. You guys were still debating on whether to build a building or renovate a building still in the area. Has that come any well, closer to what does what the decision looks yeah, like? Yeah, good good memory and thanks for that uh, clarification. So again, there's at least one commissioner that wants to build. Um, but I do believe even at the low end, if you build, you build a space big enough, uh, I don't know what land acquisition is going to cost. That's a kind of a big question mark. But just the construction is somewhere around $29, $28 million for the building itself. When mm. you talk about furniture, furnishings and equipment, it's called FF&E and uh, co- you know, uh, contingency funds and things like that, and land acquisition and bond and interest, you're looking at close to $50 million. Yeah. So I don't think there's an appetite to do that. I think that they're not going to find three votes to support that. That's why I do believe there are buildings uh, in the community that uh, we would probably be able to purchase for somewhere less than $10 million, maybe even closer to $5 million, and uh, renovate and get it ready for a county uh, footprint, and we would see something much more more affordable. So again, I, I know you have listeners right now, I'd love to hear their perspective. They think uh, if we can solve this problem for 5 to $10 million, 
Um, I, I hope that they would think that's a reasonably good way to go. But if they would see it, rather see a legacy building, then it looks more like the courthouse down, maybe down next to the courthouse. Um, a higher price tag, but maybe it would last a hundred years. Maybe that's the better way to go. So I, I, I am interested in hearing what the, what people want to say about that. But um, in terms of things going on this year, that's probably one of the biggest. Of course, sure. the election was huge. Um, to go. What from, does the price take for the Ruffin Building? Just out of curiosity. Well, we we spent about three and a half million dollars to get us, um, and actually, I think it's much more than that because I think that the remodeling budget has been uh, has not really been captured and presented to the commissioners. But I believe it's about three and a half million dollars. Of that ARPA funding to get us into the building. Okay. Um, it's about a million, a million and a half a year to, to stay there. Gotcha. Very good. We got to take a hard break here. We'll continue this conversation when we come back right around the corner here at Cedric County, uh, Cedric County Commissioner Jim Howell. When we come back, I want to talk about 2023 with the agenda. What are we going to do for the next year with some of the makeup, the change in leadership, and how things could look for Cedric County moving forward? It's going to be a big year. I'm excited about 2023. I know I say that every single year for the new year, but we got some good stuff going on. We'll do some of that when we come back. Plus more of your phone calls at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. It's Candace Talk. It's this Saturday. Stay right here on KQAM. Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. <laughs> you wanted some metal Christmas. There you I'm go. loving it. Ronnie James Dio, baby. Got there my attention, man. There you go. Good job. Remember this on Holy Diver? I Ron- like it. Ronnie James Dio. Yeah, this is this is the '80s metal here. <laughs> There we go. All right, we'll play some more of that when we come back throughout the show. <laughs> this is this is what I listen to in my car on the way, you know, back and forth from work. I love it. Yeah. Actually, it's good. I love it. A little bit more on the slower end, but hey, it's good stuff. Welcome back into Candace Tuck right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Hey, I want to tell you about my friends over at Napoleon Appliance Repair. Awesome guys, partners here on KQAM and on here with Candace Talk. They were voted for Home Appliance Repair and service they were voted wichita's best from the wichita eagle for 2022 and you can check that out with the wichita eagles uh, magazine that comes out every single year but napoleon appliance repair they killed it this year as they do every year they've been in uh, service for a long time and we appreciate those guys partnering up with us here they're big fans of the show and we love you guys to death very much napoleon appliance repair find them on facebook at napoleon appliance repair llc you can also give them a call at 316-409-1525 talk to mike mike senior and junior and you can get those guys out. I need. I got to get them up. So it, you'll enjoy this, Jim. I don't know why, but my ice dispenser in my refrigerator hates me. <laughs> it, it goes back and forth. It'll work for like a week or two, and then it'll stop working for two months, and then it'll start working again. And I don't know why. And I have to have ice in my drink every time that I get a drink, and it doesn't work half the time for me. So these guys got to come out and fix it. Well, I'm sure they do a great job. They, they do they a wonderful job. Doing. Absolutely. So Napoleon Appliance Repair, go and check them out. Napoleon Appliance Repair, LLC on Facebook. Give them a call, 316-409-1525. We're hanging out right now, Cedric County Commissioner Jim Howell. Let's talk about 2023 moving forward. Uh, as we mentioned with the election, we have a bit of a change on the county yeah. commission board. Lacey Cruz on the way out. I think personally that's much needed after some of the scandalous things that were going on in the community. She's on the way out. 
And what it sounded like, she wasn't even a, very much of a good you know, team player on the county commission overall, working with you guys. But Ryan Beatty, stepping in, uh, what do you think of the changes and uh, what's going to be the focal point for next year? Well, without commenting too much on uh, Miss Cruz, I, I do think this is going to be a good change for the county commission. I, I, one thing I like about Ryan, he's very uh, available and he's rational and he, and he loves to, to uh, discuss the issues deeply which again i love that because to me if we can't talk about an issue now by the way we do have kansas Kansas open meetings act which means we can't have a serial meeting can't have three of us discuss the same issue before we go into into a public meeting to vote on something so but you know i always think to myself well which which one of the commissioners do i want to talk to about this issue and uh i have not really talked with commissioner cruz in years really about about things to come before the commission just something that she wasn't really willing to do with me. That's fine. But uh, Ryan Beatty, I think, is just very available. And I I love the fact that we can actually sit down and talk about the issues. Even Sarah Lopez has been excellent to talk talk with. And I always talk with uh, the other two commissioners, Meister and and David Ennis. Uh, They're very available as well. So at the end of the day, I just think this commission is going to be very uh, uh, a good step in the right direction, being able to work together, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, even if we disagree, uh, don't be disagreeable. You know, have, have respect for each other, and uh, do you know have our discussion. Our differences can be you know, handled in a calm fashion. I think that's uh, what people want us to do, and I think we're going to be there. So this is probably going to be the healthiest healthiest commission that I will have served with since I've been elected as a commissioner. Yeah, I was going to say I, I've loved. I think I got into town and started radio here right about the time I think when you first got into. The county commission and i've loved seeing the evolution of the commission to where when i first started talking to you guys it was you it was carl peter john it was richard ranza i mean we had a solid team out there some great fighters and then things started to change a little bit to where we are now and it seems like we're going back to the pendulums kind of swung back the other way with with you and then with ryan Beatty coming on board and with some of the other you know it's a county commissioners that may or may not be there later on with uh, some other political aspirations as well that we can talk about later but uh, i am excited about the changes that we're seeing and going back to a little bit more reasonable conversation because you've been kind of the outlier for a while now as the conservative that has been hated on for a while it's just to put it lightly well i think (laughs) i'll I'll accept your comments i think that those are reasonable you know even back when you know back when i first got elected to the uh, peter john ranzi howell you know the community was divided and there was people who loved the idea having conservatives at, at the commission there's people who really did not like it and the commission itself was, you know, very divided. I think that two, two commissioners really didn't care for the, the other three. And so the, the division was duly noted. And it was actually probably not good for the community to have that division. Um, I think right now the five commissioners in January I think are going to get along well. You know, we, we're going to have our differences. But I do think that I don't think you're going to see public division the way maybe we have in the past. And I think that, I don't know, I just think Ryan's going to be a great addition to the board. Yeah, I think so. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? 316-721-8255. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Scott. Hey, Scott. What's going on, brother? Well, I just want to mention the fact that we have a situation where uh, a police chief in Tampa, Florida, was filmed. And within the month, the film got put out to the public. And I'm thinking when people get murdered by the police, unarmed people, it takes a year or so for them to bring that film to the public. And I wonder why that is. I don't know. But you would think that if they're efficient enough to put that out when a police chief is uh, 
uh, involved in official misconduct, and surely when other police are involved in such situations, the film should be out and more transparent. I mean, even here in Wichita, it takes a long time for something to come out. But like I said, whenever they're attacking somebody who uh, they don't like anyway, they probably didn't like her anyway. So, I mean, it happened that that video just got out real quick, you know, the body cam stuff. So it's just amazing to me. And then the other thing is that I'm trying to figure out when are they going to discipline or fire these police that are supposedly uh, caught on texting of, of being racist. I'm, I'm kind of confused. When, when is all this going to happen? It's going well, to take a long time. Well, that's a good question. The investigation's ongoing. I know I will say that uh, I know that they're investigating. I know that a lot of times the body cams, some of those things need to be investigated internally to figure out what's going to be punishment before they release to the public. But I agree with you. They do need to be released to the public. And the lawsuit that's ongoing right now against some of these city officials uh, is still ongoing, so that's going to be interesting as well. Scott, I appreciate that. Um, Jim, I know that was more of a city issue than a county issue, but yeah. do you guys or have you guys had, as the county commission, had any interaction with the new police chief here in Wichita? Well, the uh, the answer is simple, that the uh, Sedgwick County Sheriff is an elected official, and uh, we are, as Board of County Commissioners, are elected officials, but we're not we're not over the sheriff's office. Right. Uh, the elected sheriff is over that office, and we did have three sheriff's officers that were involved in this texting scandal but they were immediately uh, removed from their positions, and they were taken. They were no longer employed with the county. So he was very aggressive. Uh, our sheriff uh, Jeff Easter has been excellent with yeah. uh, moral standards. Uh, if someone violates an ethical uh, issue, uh, is some kind of a moral aspect to it, they're going to be gone immediately. And he's been excellent in, in, in maintaining that high standard of uh, professionalism in the sheriff's office. And so, what's happening right now on the police side, on the WPD side, that's a city issue. I really can't even comment on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's more of a city issue there. Appreciate that, Scott. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you again here soon. Uh-huh. Let's go back to the phones here. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Uh, this is Frederick. Frederick. How are you, sir? Doing great. Well, you have Commissioner Powell on, Powell on there, and he's the best one we've had in years and years and years. And I deeply appreciate that, man. He's a popular okay. guy. What I am talking what I am talking about is that I know it's a sensitive issue, but it seems like Sedgwick County, the whole the city, the county is moving towards Sedgwick County and Wichita being a mecca for homeless people, and we're going to build a building for them and et cetera like that. And it seems like we have a welcome mat out for anyone that's homeless in the United States to come to Wichita because we will take care of you. Now, the, the deal of it is, I'm a firm believer in taking care of your own. Firm believer in taking care of your own. In other words, if there's actually a Wichita here in, in Wichita that needed assistance, that's fine. But for the, uh, for the, for Wichita, and the, I don't know whether the county's involved or not, to put out a say, hey, come to Wichita because uh, we will take care of you. Now, another thing is, I understand they have purchased some land to build some kind of building and campus for homeless people. Uh, does Commissioner Howe know where this is going to be and what are, his, what are his thoughts on this? If he doesn't have any thoughts, I totally respect. But, but, but anyway, uh, Commissioner Howe, you have the most beautiful Christmas. You're one hell of a good man. <laughs> Well, Frederick, thank you so much. It means a lot that uh, you've been you you've always been very kind and and uh, uh, always say nice things about me. So thank you, my, my friend. I sure appreciate those good comments regarding the uh, the homeless issue. The uh, the city of Wichita did purchase a uh, an, a kind of an old hotel downtown, um, and it has fifty four units, and that's been op- that's been open for a couple of years now, and it's full. 
with a waiting list, of course. And as you said, if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. And I think you're exactly right. Um, the city just took some ARPA money for COVID, and they are using the $5.5 million for expansion of the Human Services Campus. And where the location is, we don't know. They've not determined that yet. I expect it will probably be a big debate whether it's going to be downtown or not. Um, I have a kind of unique perspective on this. I, I don't think that removing the removing the incentives for people from people is the best thing to do. I think that uh, human suffering actually is useful. Um, I don't want someone to die of uh, you know cold or, or or hunger. Obviously, and the truly needy people, we need to help them. But there's many people out there that are, are able to help themselves, but they just choose not to. So we need to be very careful not to remove those incentives. Of uh, you know, if they want to make make their life better, they need to be part of the part of the solution themselves. Like you mentioned, there's a line between taking care of someone to make sure they don't die and making sure they're uncomfortable enough to want to better their lives exactly. and actually improve themselves. So, you know, I think that there's a temptation to remove human suffering entirely and, and putting Band-Aids on these problems actually does make it worse. And so we have, we have to be very careful. I think that's the difference between d- Democrat socialists and Republicans who understand capitalism and free free market and individual responsibility and, and, and you know personal responsibility. Uh, that That's really what's being debated here. And I think that... Uh, there's people out there that want to just, you know, want to help people because they care about people. And all of that's a very noble and, and uh, very, you know, it's a it's a sweet thing that they want to do. They're using taxpayer money. And I don't think that's the right answer. If you want to use your own money, go for it. But I think that taxpayer money should be re- should be preserved and, and used for core missions of government. I don't think it should be used for uh, things that people can do with their own money. But you don't need to take your taxpayer money and give it to a charitable organization to relieve human suffering when you can give money directly or violating your personal property rights. It's a, it's a violation of the Constitution itself. So I have a real problem with this. I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, government stepping in to help out those people that are truly needy. I don't want anybody to starve to death or freeze to death. But I think at the end of the day, we can't take away all human suffering with taxpayer money and think it's going to get better. It's, just, it's actually going to make it worse. And Frederick is exactly right. Yeah, I uh, completely agree. Frederick, I appreciate that call very much, my friend. I want to slip another one in here before we take a break. But it is a great conversation to have because we, again, want to take care of people. But at the same time, let's not. Oh, I guess we lost that last caller there. Give us a call, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. We want someone to not die, like you said, take care of them, but at the same time, give them the opportunities to help themselves to better themselves and get them out of the situation they've been in before real quickly before we take a break as well talk about the vote you guys had this last week or two regarding some of the rule changes with the juvenile detention facility i know that was in the news as well with some of the protocol that's done after the death of one of the uh, one of the kids there uh, but talk about that conversation what you guys went through boy i sure love this question this is a this is a big topic juvenile justice reform is huge but the actual policy you're referring to was with it was within the juvenile uh, intake and assessment center, what we call JIAC. This where we bring uh, troubled youth. The first stop here in the county is going to be the intake center, where they do some evaluation and find out what do these kids need, how where should they go, what what should, what, what should we do? Do they go back home to go do detention? Do they get charged with crimes or whatever? So it's a kind of a uh, uh, an assessment uh, center. This is where Cedric Lofton was brought to when he was apprehended over a little bit over a year ago. And then the fight ensued, and and as you know, the rest of the story, he ended up dying in our in our care. And one of the things that we argued about, we we've learned since then, is that you know, leaving someone in a prone position, in other words, face down on the floor, makes it so they can't breathe. And he was also uh, handcuffed and and held in that position. Mm-hmm. And so that opened up a, a discussion with the task. We had, we actually created what we call a task force 
community members that came together and kind of analyzed and dissected what exactly happened there. And they made recommendations on prohibitions for uh, restraints, um, how long you can leave someone in a prone position. If you do have to use any type of restraints, some type of reporting mechanism uh, should be and it should be reviewed, uh, should be uh, videotaped. Um, there's some, you know, basically to protect these children in our care, if you have to restrain somebody, there should be some things you do where you minimize that and do it in a way that protects the child and also documents exactly what happened. And so this this policy we, we passed, it was five to zero vote. Um, it has to be approved by the Department of Corrections still. But and I'll just say this. We've been actually been using these policies since March of this year. Um, so most of the year we've been following this already. But now it's been documented and, and officially approved as a policy of Sedgwick County, and it will be approved by the Department of Corrections this is just one piece of, I think, a much bigger discussion related to juvenile justice reform. And I, I have been maybe uh, alone, mostly alone in this discussion amongst my colleagues, but I recognize going clear back to the Judge Riddell Boys Ranch days. I was going to ask about the Boys Ranch. Exactly. Yeah. So right now we have a placement problem. We have kids right now that are criminogenic. In other words, they've committed crimes. They're not just children in need of care. They're not sink kids. These are kids that they don't necessarily have a, a lack of parenting. But they're just troubled, the troubled youth. And right now, uh, either you leave these kids at home and you have all the conflicts of uh, being at home and you have what's called community-based programming, community-based programming, or uh, you put them in foster care. That's what we're, our options are today. It used to be we had options of uh, you know criminogenic youth being placed in group homes um, to receive programming away from the home and not inside foster care with, with sink kids. Sure. But this, uh, the state of Kansas... Uh, changed this law back in 2016, and as a consequence, we have a exploding uh, youth crime situation in, in Central County. It's it's really, really bad, Andy. And I, mean, I, I can't stress to you how bad this has gotten. And yet, if you look at the numbers, the charges have gone down, the prosecutions have gone down, the convictions have gone down. How can that be true? It's because we're not charging these kids. Mm. We're simply not, we're letting it go. We, 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 we ignore what's actually going on. Legally, we don't have any options. And these kids are either, again, they're left in the community, they, they reject their community-based programming options, they take 30 days of detention, they're left in the community, the case is ultimately closed, the judges have no continuity to know exactly what happened to this kid uh, six, months, six months ago if he was already in the system once before, we don't know that. Um, and these kids, if they can't stay in that environment, then they put in foster care, and that's destroying the foster care system. It's a, it, it, heart, it breaks my heart. We have kids who truly just, they're, they're abused or abandoned kids, they're lacking parents. They're in the foster care system. And then these kids now are being mingled with, with criminogenic boys and girls. And uh, many times these more, these more troubled youth are actually uh, placed in homes with other, other family members, other children. I can't tell you all the problems that are happening as a consequence of this bad law. So this is a, the bigger topic is juvenile justice reform. Right. And I'm going to be talking about this uh, going forward into the legislative session. In fact, this next Friday... At 2 p.m., I have a uh, fairly comprehensive meeting happening with St. Francis Foster Care, DCF, uh, some judges, uh, some legislators, some county commissioners, uh, correction staff. We're all going to come together and talk about this again. I did this two years ago. Talk about this again. I even have some, uh, the the chairman, uh, Stephen Owens, you know Stephen? Yep. uh, Chairman of the Juvenile Corrections Committee. He'll be there, and we're going to talk about what needs to change in Kansas law to hopefully get this thing uh, put back the way it needs to be. I, I think the state did a... A noble thing. They tried to fix some problems, and they did a good job. But in doing that, unfortunately, they created some new problems. And so we we need to address those those new problems. And so 
that's what we're trying to do. This has a huge impact on, on Sedgwick County youth. And so uh, if anybody wants to know, know more about that, please reach out to me. Uh, give me a call. My, my office number is 660-9300. Um, or you can uh, email me at jim.howell at sedgwick.gov. I would love to have more people from the community be aware of what's going on and have them help us move some legislation to fix this problem. Well, that's a huge conversation to have. I mean, with the juvenile issue going on. I mean, I'd, I'd, why again did we close down the boys' ranch? Just because of funding? Well, it, we, exactly. Um, the, the county threatened the state legislature. In fact, I was in the state legislature when this happened, which is why I ran for county commission. But they threatened the state. If you don't give us more funding from the state, we're going to close it down. And they did. They wow. closed it down, and they ended up bulldozing the facility. It's part you can you can camp, you know, put your tent out there now and camp out where the facility used to be. And uh, we, we lost a 50-bed facility that actually has uh, literally saved uh, – thousands of youth in this community yeah. that went from being what they would have been locked up in penitentiaries. That was their natural path. Now these people are, they have businesses and families. They pay their taxes and mow their grass and they well, are engaged. They're fantastic people. It gave them purpose. It gave them work exactly. ethic. It taught them life lessons. It taught them hard work. And that's what it's, I, I mean, we talk about the deeper issue here, the philosophical deeper issue of the broken family and, and these kids that are just don't have a purpose and don't know what to do and don't have any opportunities for them. That's the opportunities you give them. You don't throw them in a foster care government system and expect them to come out positive. You give them a purpose. And we got rid of that for some reason. And it's heartbreaking. It, it is so true. And it, and I, and I think that, uh, you know, there's an old phrase that says you can pay me now or pay me more later. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, when we have uh, unsuccessful attempts to fix these kids and we're not doing anything that's actually effectively doing any, doesn't change their, doesn't change their path. Then we're wasting money. And uh, ultimately there's uh, other victims and property damage and property loss and, and human suffering along the way. Well, these, well, these people are going through the courts. It's extremely expensive to, to adjudicate these kids. They end up in uh, penitentiaries and, and, and think about the losses of that person's life um, over time. I mean, it's just incalculable the, what, 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 what that costs us by not fixing the problem. When you have a 13 or 14 or 15 year old kid that you can fix them, yeah. why don't we do it? That's the prime age for it as well. Exactly. That's right. It's prime age. It is unfortunate. Is there any? And we got just about a minute or so here as we kind of wrap things up. We didn't even take our break for the 45 break. So, Oops. Uh, yeah, that's okay. But uh, in the last minute or so here, is there opportunity to bring it back or to do something similar down the road? I think we have to, Andy. Uh, right now, there's zero options for place, placements of criminogenic youth in Kansas. And I think that that's a huge loss. We're saving lots of money. And I think the legislature is likely to sweep those funds. I think we have to have a conversation about creating an option. Maybe not 50 beds, but we have to have something. And I think right now, um, if we don't so we don't solve this problem, it's going to just uh, continue to fester and get worse. We have to do something different. What if we start some kind of program for all the troubled kids in the city to ship them out to farms around the community and make them work during the summertime? Bale and hay are working out in the fields. Hey, that would be better than what we have now. Yeah, uh, You sure. know what? I think there's an opportunity. Are there any other programs like that around the state, or were you the only ones that had that? No, there were there were lots of programs across the state, but we okay. were the biggest, and uh, they, the state shut them all down. Wow. It's called YRC two. Now we have some YRC two homes for for sink kids, like the uh, Youth Horizons has Kinlock Kinlock Boys Ranch. We have Lakeside out by Lake Afton. These are for sink kids, but we have no criminogenic beds at all. Sure. Work in progress. Hopefully that's something we can focus on here in the next year or two with you guys. I am excited that I'm optimistic about 2023. But Jim Howell, Cedric County Commissioner, Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Happy New Year. Happy Christmas to you. Thank you. we got a lot of good stuff coming up next year, so we will get you back on as things pick up pace for early next year. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. There it is, our number one in the books already. goes by way too fast. When we come back, we have U.S. Senator James Langford from the state of Oklahoma. He'll join us at the bottom of next hour. Open lines to you for the first half hour of number two as we... 
Go there. Let's do it. Let's have a conversation about some of the legislative agendas for 2023, the medical marijuana bill. What do you want to see come out of that one? Plus some of the leadership votes that we've seen in Topeka already as well and what the makeup could be. All that coming up and more on Kansas Talk. Hour number two right around the corner right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. It's hour number two of Kansas Talk. What up? Welcome in. Happy Saturday morning to you. Kicking off another weekend. Ready to rock and roll. We have two more episodes. This episode and next week, and then it's the holidays. Man, can you believe it? 2022 is all wrapped up. Thanks again to Jim Howell, Cedric County Commissioner on the show. Always a pleasure to have him on. He's a great personal friend. We love him to death. And uh, congrats on his race. And as he continues on with the Cedric County Commission, we were just talking off the air about all the uh, things we get to look forward to for 2023. And I am excited because outside of just the agenda for the city council and for the county commission, there are some local races here that are going to be huge, as Donald Trump says, and huge and bigly. They're going to be great coming for 2023. So, yes, this show will focus on some of those local candidates as we get in for county commission races and as we get ready for the mayor's race in the city of Wichita and a heck of a lot more and more information to come on those a little bit later. Welcome in 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Open lines to you for this half hour. I want to go there, man. I want to have the conversation. Let's talk about the agenda for the legislative session of 2023. Now that we have our leadership, at least in the House of Representatives, the Senate, I believe, voting on their leadership here relatively soon as well. I got to give hat tips to Ty Masterson, great Senate president last year, and we'll see what happens this year. Dan Hawkins, House uh, Majority Leader that was right here in the Wichita area, District Number 100. He has officially been voted in as the Speaker of the House for the House side, baby. That's a big one. Well done, buddy. That's great. Winning. That's what I'm talking about. So congratulations on that as you become Speaker of the House. We're going to get Dan Hawkins back on the show here in the next few weeks, probably one of the first weekends in January to kick off the new year and the legislative session. So uh, to talk about what's going to come out of the House of Representatives, Blake Carpenter, the uh, Speaker Pro Tem, as well has been nominated. So congratulations to him as well and all the leadership on the Republican side down the ballot. What was really interesting is it it seems like we have some unification, if that's a word. We have some unified Republican votes in the House of Representatives with the 80-plus Republicans that voted for Dan Hawkins without question. There was no challenge. There was no division. We knew that he was going to be the guy for the job. The odd part was that the Democrats looking for their minority leader in the House uh, with their current one stepping down, they had a bit of a torn uh, vote between them. And I believe Vic Miller has become the House minority leader for the House of Representatives for the Democrats, and we'll see what he does. But... Uh, the unification of the Republicans in the House, that seems great. Compared to what we're seeing in Washington, D.C. right now with Kevin McCarthy and him trying to become Speaker of the House in Washington, it's not going too well for those guys. We talked about that on the national show uh, yesterday a little bit, and we can get your thoughts on that one. As there are, what's his name, uh, Andy Biggs, I believe, Congressman, is challenging him for the Speaker of the House in Washington, D.C. on the conservative side. The Kevin McCarthy not liking it too much, man. He's all about the unified Republican Party and just get behind me because that's what needs to happen. I am loving the conservative challenge on that because what's happening now is they're talking behind the scenes about getting more Republican leadership 
in some of the committees in the House in Washington. So that could give a bit of a bigger voice for the uh, more conservative side of the Republican caucus, and I think that's going to be overall a good thing moving forward. But on the statewide level, House Majority Leader, now Speaker of the House, Dan Hawkins. Congratulations, brother. We love you to death, and uh, we'll get you on the show here soon. But going to be that Speaker on the House side, uh, moving out Ron Reichman from that position. All right, we got a lot to talk about. I want to see what your thoughts are on the legislative bills for 2023. The big one that has been making the news, everybody's talking about it, the governor's talking about it, the media's talking about it, they try and find everybody that wants to talk about it, is this medical marijuana bill that is sitting in the state Senate. Now, and is this a good bill? Is it not a good bill? Is this the direction that we need to go? It's a conversation that is sometimes difficult, sometimes very emotional for individuals. I don't know why. It's just, it's pot, man. It's it's not rocket science. It's marijuana. But should we be passing this bill and should it go further? Should it go less far? Where are we at with this and where's your thoughts on this bill? As you know, after this last election, we have seen a major change in the states all around us. We are sandwiched here in Kansas. We have Colorado that's had both medical and recreational marijuana for a while. And in fact, they just legalized in their election in November as well. They legalized the use of psychedelic mushrooms for medical purposes as well, where you can go. It's not like free willy where you just go get a whole bunch of mushrooms and walk down the street and see colors. But you do go to a clinic and it's a guided deal where they've seen uh, science as well that shows that it helps with depression or anxiety or PTSD or other chemical imbalances in your brain, where you can work through these things with a guided counselor and you go through these sessions with these psychedelic mushrooms. All for that. I'm all for it, especially in the controlled setting that is with a medical professional and a counselor working you through your medical issues. I think if we're going to, uh, now that we're dealing with so many mental health issues in the nation, that's a way to do it. Why not? Why not try everything? And if Colorado's going to do that, all the power to you. Uh, walking down the street in a recreational sense with psychedelic mushrooms may be a different story. But we have Colorado going that far. We have Oklahoma that has their medical marijuana that is turning to recreational because they're having a harder and harder time trying to regulate their medical marijuana, where they just busted multiple farms that were illegally growing marijuana down in Oklahoma because they didn't have the proper licensing. So that one's turning recreational from the medical. We have Missouri that just went from medical to recreational in this last election as well. Nebraska, I believe, is the only holdout that doesn't have anything as of yet. Kansas now is the last holdout. But with us being sandwiched between all of these different states, it has to be addressed. We have to figure something out. And I want to get your thoughts on this is do we pass this one now that it's sitting in the Senate with a recreate or not a recreational, but a medical marijuana bill in Kansas? Do you like the idea? Do you not like the idea? Let's have the conversation. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Let's go to the phone's line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Andy. It's Sean. Mr. Sean, I am great. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing just great. I was really busy this morning and totally forgot about your show. I turned Gosh. it on. But I'm sorry. You know what I was doing? I was uh, thinking about what I'm going to do today. I woke up this morning feeling really, really rough and sore and I sit here and have my coffee, and I was having a long conversation with Jesus, talking to him about different things. So, you know what? But, I uh, guess I guess he's a little bit higher on the priority list than I am with my show, so I'll forgive you for there. Well, oh, oh, <laughs> there you go. Sure, next, make more time for you instead of him. I say, well, he's, hey, gotta talk to Andy first because he can solve all my problems. That's right. <laughs> there we go. Hey, you know what? We do it with the government. Why not with the talk show host? Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, hey, uh, 
Man, what a great subject to bring up. You know, I, I, I caught, it, caught that when you just uh, posited the question about the medical uh, uh, pot. Well, I know I've commented this, commented about this uh, to a certain extent on your show in the past, at least one time. But uh, in all these states where this, uh, you know, it started out as mer- medical marijuana, it didn't take long. And then it becomes, uh, you know, uh, recreational. Yeah, yeah, and right, you know why right. it, it goes for so quickly there is because the government has this idea to where they can put all these restrictions on it, limitations on it, and then we realize we forget to ask the two simple questions is how do you afford the regulations and the uh, the oversight of it and how do you regulate it? And we realize that it's a complicated measure and it's hard to regulate. So once you open up the door, then we recognize and we have to recognize that it is the Pandora's box that you're opening, and it's a slippery slope. Whether it's a good slippery slope or bad, that you cannot maintain the regulations because people find a way to go around it. Or how do you really go to someone's house and say you have seven plants and not six plants? You only have a certain amount of grams or ounces of it, and therefore it's okay or it's not okay. And if you go one ounce over, we're going to throw you in jail. But if you have a certain ounce that it's okay, uh, you have the green card. And then what's the regulations and the stipulation to get the green card to qualify for it? And then, I mean, that's how it started in Colorado. So if we go down the road of medical marijuana, we have to come to the realization that eventually it will become recreational because there is no way to regulate it. And then you either spend more money than necessary to regulate it and try and contain it, or you just say, to hell with it, open it up and let people do their thing. Well, listen, Andy, uh, you know, as a parent, uh, when you're raising kids, you know, you try to teach your kids from uh, right from wrong. And, um, uh, and that usually comes from life experience. Uh, because as as a kid yourself, when you was a kid or when you was young, yeah. you made stupid mistakes. I'm not talking about you specifically. Just that that's just the way it is in life. Oh, you I know, made plenty of mistakes. I, I didn't smoke yeah. that stuff. I've never been into that stuff personally, but I've made plenty of mistakes. My eighty thousand dollars of student loan debt uh, kind of confirms that one. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. I I had some college debt myself, but uh, anyway, um, I would be headed hypocritical of me uh to uh say what i gotta say about pop without first mentioning that yeah i tried it about a half dozen times between 14 and 17 yeah but that was back in the uh uh let me see 79 through 85 i think the last time i did it was probably 17 when i was 17 i said no I'm, you know there's no this is stupid let me ask you andy is marijuana any better for a person than cigarettes? No, no, it's not. That's a rhetorical question. No, it's not any better. In fact, the resin that comes from a, a pot uh, that and and uh, gets on the uh, uh, air sacs in your lungs, that's actually worse than tar. I've heard a lot more doctors say that uh, medical marijuana doesn't do absolutely anything for anybody. Now, I have heard many years ago that it, it's supposed to help uh, glaucoma patients because it's uh, something about the uh, THC relieves the um, pressure on the eyes that's caused by glaucoma, which you eventually go blind. And I've also heard that uh, it's good for controlling nausea and uh, giving an appetite to uh, cancer patients on radiation or chemo because, uh, okay, I can understand that, but still, you don't need to actually smoke the stuff to uh, uh, 
get an, get the munchies or whatever. It, it does come in pill form. So yeah, well, now, and that's that's the beauty of it. There there are many benefits now where it's in different forms where you don't necessarily just have to smoke it. You can put it in the cream to help with joint pain. And here's the thing: I I do see the benefits of it for different medical issues. Is it going to cure anything? Not necessarily. But like you said, it does relieve pain because I would honestly, I would much rather have someone smoke that or put it as a cream or take it as a pill instead of popping a prescription pill that you could get addicted to in that sense with the pharmaceuticals. Definitely over that in some way, shape, or form. Personally, I don't like to compare them between cigarettes because there are pros and cons on both sides of it. The marijuana, while it does uh, put the lining onto your lungs, at the same time, it's natural as opposed to the 50 million chemicals that are in a cigarette with all the tar and stuff. So there's pros and cons to both of those. But you're right. There are so many different variables now in ways that you can do it, that you can put it in a pill, you can put it in a cream, you can put it in a food. And yet people who have a hard time with eating because they're sick or, you know, whatever, it causes the nausea to calm down and it actually makes them hungry so they could get some nutrition into their body. There are a lot of benefits for it. Uh, At the same time, I'm not just for the medical side of it. But I'm also for the religious and spiritual side of it as well, if you know. And uh, there's been different archaeologists that have done some digs over in the Middle East and some Jewish temples from thousands of years ago. They found residue of the marijuana because it opens up the mind for you to be able to have a better connection to God if you're praying or whatever you do. So for medical and for religious purposes, I completely agree with it. And I think that's all totally fine. I got no problem with that. The question, the, the, Okay, go for it. Why? Well, first of all, I've never read in the Word as a student of the Word of God. You know, I've never read in a, uh, in there where God said, hey, as part of uh, having a relationship with me, I want you to go out and, I'm, <laughs> you know, I want you to uh, smoke some ganja because you'll have a better relationship with me if you're high. That's a load of crap, man. You're well, not there's, sober. Well, there's not a, yeah, I mean, there's not, there's not any d- d- verse that tells you you have to do that, but every, every culture has done that in some way. I mean, the Jewish community has done uh, marijuana before in the, uh, to, in some of the northern pagan religions, they used to use the magic mushrooms because it it opens up pathways and neurons in the brain to, to have the brain communicate in different ways that it normally usually doesn't talk to itself. In South America, I mean, the shamans use ayahuasca and the DMT and the certain things like that to be able to see the other side or to cross over the other side. So every culture has had their ways to open up the mind. And a lot of the ones that interpret dreams and a lot of the uh, a lot of the ancients even who was it? Was it David? That was the that was the dream fortune teller for some of the kings in the Bible. I mean, that's how he would do a lot of that stuff was to be able to interpret it, to have the visions of God, to have the visions of the angels or have God speak to them. A lot of them were on those sorts of things when they got those messages. So I got no problem with that kind of stuff. Well, uh, it doesn't make it right. It just it doesn't make it right. When you're under the uh, first of all, you don't get high off of tobacco. Sure. You get drunk off of alcohol if you have too much of it. You know, your your mind gets altered. Any type of illegal narcotic you use, I mean, you get high off of a a, a certain legal uh, uh, painkillers, but um, and that leaves you uh, that leaves your mind vulnerable to suggestion from somebody else, undue influence. And I mean, you know, the devil himself is uh, he's a very he has a lot of powerful influence, and he can uh, you know he can use uh, uh, narcotics to uh, influence someone into thinking that, uh, well, they can uh, better do this because they freed their mind or do something stupid, get in trouble, up your future. Yep, so well, that's anyway, why well, that's no. why they're very concerned about alcohol. You're right. And the influence. You're right. I mean, opening up the mind is a it can be a dangerous thing. Um, but 
I mean, regardless of what people think about the religious aspects of these or the medical aspects of these, I like to focus on with these conversations and especially with this bill here is the regulation. Can it be enforceable? And is it a good thing? Because you're right. Once we once we start down this road, whether people like it or not uh, and agree with it or not, it will open up the box for it to be more loosey goosey as the years go on uh, and the regulations will start going away. Well, it's the defining down, like Rush once said, of deviancy. You know, one side that's for something that isn't a, 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 a traditionally uh, normal and natural uh, is for something, while the other side is against it. And eventually, the side that's for it, they usually went out because the other side, uh, you know, they eventually give up. You know, for first it was, uh, you know, uh, 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 like gay rights, you know. Um, Eventually, people got tired of uh, fighting against it, and now you know it's uh, more rampant. You know, because they you know, just got worn out from taking the stand. Say, okay, well, you know, uh, we'll move on to uh, something else, and uh, uh, that which people would say, well, no, that'll never happen here, or can't happen here, winds up happening. You know, and we just keep moving forward. Now it's a uh, uh, pedophilia. Matter of fact, back in 2011. I heard Rush mention, mention this once on the show about uh, how uh, uh, psychologists were trying to uh, 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 normalize uh, pedophilia. And um, and look at what's going on today. I'm hearing about it from every national radio talk show host. Yeah. Every time I turn on the show, I've been hearing about it for the last week or two nonstop. Doesn't matter. Dan Bongino to uh, uh, the other guys, uh, Hannity and all of them. Uh, Joe Pag, Todd Starnes. It doesn't right. matter. Well, I'm telling you, hey, Je- Jeffrey Rob- Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> just, just putting that out there. You're right. It's a conversation where where they start down certain roads, they uh, they definitely push their agenda until it happens. In the LGBTQ community or, or whatever, not that I'm attacking that community, but there is an agenda where it's definitely seen. We see an increase of certain communities. Uh, over the years as well. Sean, I hate to cut you off. I got some other calls I want to get to here, but I appreciate it very much, my friend. Um, So the limitations on marijuana, good or bad, is uh, kind of conflicted there. The medical marijuana has the benefits, according to uh, Sean, to some degree, but how far should it go? How far do you think it needs to go here? And how long we'll be able to maintain some of those regulations? That will be the conversation to have. Let's take a break real quick. When we come back, we'll take some more phone calls on this. We may hold off on the interview with James Langford at the bottom of the hour if we have some continued callers and conversation on this issue. I think it's an important one to have as we figure out the future of the state of Kansas. I mean, this is the state that tried to hold off on even selling alcohol on Sundays until just the last recent, what, six or seven or eight years? Kind of interesting as well in there, isn't it? I find that fascinating. We'll do some more of that when we come back here. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. KQAM, stay here. back into the program by the way i want to clarify with this conversation that we have regarding the marijuana recreational medical whatever i'm not really taking a stance personally on this one way or the other as i i'm trying to play the devil's advocate to have the conversation about it because i again do see the benefits for a religious or for a medical purpose in some way and with this around us we have to address it one way or the other whether we stay lockstep and we say no we don't want it in our state we're going to keep it out 
and we try to enforce it and keep it out from the surrounding states or whether we're like, yeah, let's go ahead and start uh, figuring out a productive way of doing this. However, we decide to make this conversation happen. If we go down the road of the legalization of in any way in medical or whatever, then uh, we have to come to the awareness and the acceptance that if we open up the door, then you cannot close the door and that the door will probably get wider just like it has in every other state. So the question is, is that what we want and are we okay with that or do we want to stop it? I will, I, again, I'm okay with the opening for certain reasons and I'm hoping that regardless of how far we go down the road, I'm hoping that we've learned the lessons from other states, including the state of Colorado, who kind of jumped on board and became the social experiment for it, that we learn and we've learned from their mistakes and that if we do it, we craft our legislation the right way. But trying to put it in such a finite, tiny little box is going to be extremely difficult and the regulations are going to be absurd and the taxpayer money sent to regulate it is going to be maybe not even worth it while the government is just seeing the money signs and how much tax money they can get uh, from the plant itself from the growing the distribution and the sales of more of this when we come back plus james langford u.s senator from the state of oklahoma right around the corner it's kansas talk right here on kqam Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Darn right, welcome back into it on the home stretch here. Can you believe it? Last half hour of the program, which, by the way, I don't tell this enough if individuals don't have an opportunity just to listen on the radio uh, for the Saturday morning program here on KQAM. You do have other opportunities to listen as well. You can download the TuneIn app on your phone, it is free. Download the TuneIn app, and you can find us on there, KQAM Radio, and you can listen to the live stream of the station all day, not just with this show, but with any show that we have going on throughout the day, and uh, you can listen there. Also, for this show from 9 to 11, we do have our Facebook Live feed that goes through as well, so you can see this ugly mug every day. And yes, for those that have been asking me and sending me messages, yes, this is my insanely crazy long hair that is behind on the back of my hat. (laughs) Never in my life, never in my life have I grown it out, but what the hell, why not? Have some fun with it. So you can go on to Facebook.com slash 1480KQAM. Again, Facebook.com forward slash 1480KQAM. You can follow the station there. We have our live show with John Wright that streams on there every day. We have this show that streams on there every day. We have KQAM that shares our Voice of Reason national uh, stream that goes on every day, so you can check out that. Uh, We always keep you updated with other issues. John Wright gets some news blasts on the station as well, so you can follow us on the Facebook page. Again, facebook.com slash 1480KQAM. All right, last couple comments if you want to on the marijuana bill. would love to hear from you. It sounds like, according to the Senate leadership right now, that it doesn't sound like it's going to be one of the top priorities to address first right off the bat which again i find kind of interesting with what's going on around these states around us on the on the marijuana either medical or recreational then kansas needs to make it top of mind again whether you make it we need to address it lay down the law and just make the decision i know that we've been kind of dancing around it for a while and we gotta admit democrats have been the one pushing this a little bit harder than republicans but republicans as the conservatives who want limited government and individual liberties and individual freedoms uh have been pretty tight-lipped on this one and we need to have the conversation with with colorado with oklahoma with nebraska all around us all really going recreational it needs to have a conversation. So the Senate needs to make it a priority. I hope they do make it a priority. My question to you is, do you agree with this bill 
that they're going to take up and look at? Or should it go further? Is it going too far with making it medical marijuana? And my understanding, we'll get Blake Carpenter back on the show and Nick Hoheisel on this because I know they were the ones kind of headed this on the set on the house side, that this one is uh, pretty contained where it would be a doctor prescribing it. And I, I don't remember if this is one where you would have to be in the presence of a clinic or a doctor in order to administer it as well, or whether it's one of those you get the green card and you go buy it. I don't believe it's to that level, so they have it pretty restrained on this bill. Again, either way, though, once you start it, you will not be able to go back, and it will turn into eventually recreational. And it sounds like Kansas has been very hesitant to do so. Uh, as I referenced going into the break, uh, Kansas is one of the last states that was in the nation just a few years ago, as in six, seven, eight years ago. When I first moved to Kansas a few years ago out in Garden City, I remember you still were not able to buy liquor on Sundays. So we're still in that mindset here. So taking it to the marijuana side is definitely out of the comfort zone for many, and that's okay. But let's have the conversation about it. Do you agree or disagree? Does it go too far or not far enough. We'd love to get your thoughts. Let's go back to the lines here. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning, Andy. It's Nick. I was waiting for your call, Nick. What's going on, brother? <laughs> well, I was debating on whether or not to call, but I thought, you know what? Might as well just be consistent with the whole thing. <laughs> I was waiting. I, um, I set it up and teed it up for you. What you got for me? Right. Well, I think... We we just had this big article about cigars, booze, and gambling in the New York Times with John Barker sitting on the front page there uh, with touting his whiskey and his big cigar or whatever. And and I I, I don't honestly there's just some hypocritical uh, things going on uh, with this issue. Uh, Andy, I got a friend uh, who has cancer. And he, his feet, like he takes this pill that costs four thousand uh, dollars each time, and and it's like eating his feet, mm-hmm. like actually eating his feet. And uh, to say to sit, and, and nothing against Sean, and I, I would love a debate. You know, maybe you could come down to the cafe and we could have a debate with Sean, and maybe Easter or uh, Hawkins or Mashson or whoever, and, and really get over this. But. It, it concerns me when when people get all hopped up on the caffeine and uh, start talking uh, self righteous stuff about this, that, and the other, uh, but then condemn people who who want to use this plant that has food value, number one, that has uh, therapeutic value and can provide industrial economic opportunities that I've said uh, dozens of times on your show. You know, look at the millennials or the Z generation. They're looking for something that they can hold on to, and, and I'm not talking about idolatry. But when we when, when we demonize this plant so much, and the people see, well, you know what? It's really not that like what they're saying. How are they supposed to trust us on issues like life and holy matrimony and things like that? Uh, yeah. Well, I said it earlier before too. Andy, if I, I could, <laughs> if we could bankrupt the pharmaceutical industry and not have to use their prescription pills for stuff, then I'm totally okay with that. Because the fact that they're charging four thousand dollars a month for a pill so your friend's foot doesn't eat itself is absolutely absurd and astronomical. If someone can get rid of a pain medication like an opioid that is uh, uh, that is Vicodin or that is something like that that tears up your stomach that makes you sick, but you have to take it because you're in such extreme pain. 
And if you could smoke a plant or if you could eat the gummy bear or if you could rub on the lotion or do whatever that has this stuff in it, then why the hell wouldn't we do that? Because I don't want to have to spend thousands of dollars for a pain medicine that is more addictive than something like this. I don't understand that mindset. Right. I, uh, and I want to make sure you understood um, the, the, the cancer is not eating his feet. The pill is eating oh, his feet. the pill's eating his feet. So, so he's taking it, the pill for the cancer, yes, and the pill has the side effect side of eating effect. his foot. <laughs> Golly. Yeah, it's, yes. And so, so when we say, well, we want to uh, make sure we're doing no harm, and we want to worry about or concern ourselves with public health and public safety, but we have things like that happening, it's kind of ironic or more fitting it is Christmas time because we think of the birth of our Savior and what that means. And again, Andy, I'm not talking about idolatry. I'm talking about constitutional cannabis. You can call it whatever you want, medical this, medical that, recreational this, adult use. I just want constitutional cannabis. That's mm. all. And what that means to me is that I can take this seed, put it in the ground, water it and feed it, let God and nature do whatever they want to it, and then I can use it however I want to. All the other stuff is is frankly just crap. Uh, and a bunch of well, I'm going to stop well, right there because well, you see I'm getting too passionate. Well, see, and that's why, and that's why I say whether you know whatever line people draw for their own personal belief of or where they want it to be in the state, whether it's a, a finite medical part, whether it's a recreational part, and full on board. Like I said, whatever line that we set in that in that line for the state for the regulating to have a certain amount of plants or to buy a certain amount and have on your possession, or whether you go to the doctor's clinic, whatever it is, once you start that. Then the question is, is how do you regulate it and how do you afford to regulate it sort of thing? And I mean, look, we have a lot of regulations in the nation and in the state that are absurd. I mean, I uh, the libertarian side is coming out on me here that I think that trying to regulate someone wearing a seatbelt and spending money for taxpayers for law enforcement to go around and fine people because they're not wearing a seatbelt is absolutely absurd. Same thing with like wearing a helmet for a bicycle or for a motorcycle. Should you do those things? You're stupid if you don't buckle up when you drive you're stupid if you don't wear a helmet when you drive your motorcycle but do we need to have the state paying with our taxpayer money to force you to do so and punish you if you do not that's the question on where the line is on how efficient it will be to go around for people that are trying to get it or want to get it and say you can have six plants you can't have seven plants you can have five ounces you can't have five and a half ounces and if we catch you five and a half ounces we're going to put you in jail for it but if you have five ounces then you're okay like how do you regulate something like that it is completely absurd and you know inefficient to do so so when you try that which is what other states have done they've realized that they can't and that's why the vast majority of them are essentially going recreational at some point I'm for a rudimentary set of, of regulations, but if we're not going to allow the freedom uh, to people in, in this in this plant arena, then we might as well just take the American flag down, make everything a felony, and if you're not doing what you're told, you get your guns taken away and you're in some crisis intervention center uh, for the rest of your life until your servitude is up and they just need to cut your head off. Uh, I better stop, Andy, before I get in trouble. God bless you. I love you so much. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, we'll talk to you later, okay, buddy? Hey, always a pleasure. We love you, Nick. Always appreciate the conversation. There it is. We've had two opposite ends of the spectrum here from saying, no, this is going to go way too far, and we don't need it, and God doesn't want us to, and then, hey, we need the constitutional plan. I love that conversation. I absolutely love it. We've had two ends of the spectrum here, and it's a conversation, again, that I think we need to have and I enjoy having on this program, so I appreciate both sides of that and the fact that we can have that conversation. See, we are 
the catalyst for change. We are the think tank right here in the state of Kansas. This program, this is the number one highest rated conservative talk radio show in the state of Kansas and the largest radio market in the state of Kansas, where all the elected officials listen to us and give us the scoop and come on this program and break all their big news. We are the think tank for Kansas, and we're the ones that have this conversation, and I appreciate you allowing us to do that on the show. 316-721-8255, talk That is another interesting point to bring that you brought up, Nick, briefly was other states that have gone down this road. Arizona was the perfect example of this a few years ago, and I I don't know if they've corrected it or not. But when they went down the road of medical marijuana and they had the green card for you to go and get your uh, marijuana issue, then they turned around and said, well, if you get the green card for marijuana, then we're going to take away your right to be able to get a concealed carry permit. Now, we have constitutional carry here in the state of Kansas, so you can carry your firearm, but is that going to be under attack once we do go down this road? And will this be the opposite? Uh, Will this be the same trend that Democrats will try as well and say, hey, if we go down the medical marijuana side, which is what they want to do, then we're going to take away the guns because we don't want you high and shooting people up in the streets. Just another example for them to try and demonize firearms and the Second Amendment. Other states have tried to go down that road. So, again, while we go down this road ourselves and we have this conversation, we need to be aware of the what they like to call unintended consequences of what it could affect as the ripple effect, the stone dropped in the pond and the ripple effect moving down the rest of the lake uh, of what could happen once we go down the road and what else could be affected, positive and Negative. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, we got one more segment. We'll get our update from the AARP. We'll have them, and then we'll get your final words on this issue and more. It's Candace Talk. Lots more to get to here on the Big Talker 1480 KQAM. Stay here. It's Dominic the Donkey. Jing it the jing. Christmas donkey. La 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 Santa's got a little friend, his name is Dom. Talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community, make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. Mary is back on the line with us this week. Mary, how are you today? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you? Hey, doing good. Always good to chat with you. Uh, We've talked a lot about the Fraud Watch Network, a lot about scams during the holidays and people buying things, but there's also a side of things as well uh, where it's about giving and trying to help individuals, especially those in need. Let's talk about veterans for the moment in the state of Kansas, as you guys have some new resources for veterans here, don't you? Right. We are continually launching tools and information and resources that help veterans and military families. Um, they, they, you know, they're targeted by scams. Their caregiving is a big issue. When wounded soldiers come home and someone needs to take care of them, um, we have veterans looking for job resources. And, you know, their job hunting is a little different because of the skills they bring to the table. So we have all of these resources, and one that we're really excited about that's coming up is a digital tool that that helps people with veterans' benefits, and there's a lot of new benefits out there. The PACT Act has just come about, 
and it is historic in the, the number of benefits, the expansion of benefits for veterans and military families. So we've kind of gathered all of that information together into one place so that veterans and military families can have a one-stop shop that they can go to and click on different links to find out all of this information. And, and that the main link to go to would be www.aarp.org slash veterans. And then that will take you to the different sites about caregiving, the Job Resource Center, the Veterans Fraud Center, the Healthy Benefits Navigator. So all kinds of tools that we hope our veterans will take advantage of. I love it. There's some great information there. Are we still doing good in the state of Kansas? I know a lot of businesses try to focus on uh, trying to hire vets and get them the resources that they need. Are we getting better in Kansas? You know, I, I don't know for sure about that. Um, I'm, I'm hoping so, but I think with the resources that we're providing, it, it can give people a better understanding of the skills that the veterans bring and, and why they should be, you know, on the hiring list. So um, hopefully that's true. We have a, over 192,000 veterans living in the state of Kansas. And so we want to make sure that their needs are met in as many ways as we can for all of the, the service that they've done for our country. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Not to mention, as you mentioned, some of the scams that are focused on them and their their care, their health care, the, the different sources, resources that they need that uh, for some reason, it's a struggle sometimes to get the veterans the proper resources when they come back from service. It really is. And we have links to the Veterans Administration and the Department of Defense so that we can hopefully, you know, scale that back a little bit so that people don't have the frustration. You know, it's always frustrating when you're trying to find something and you and you, you go to all these different links and, and you just can't get to where you're going. So that's why we've compiled it all together into one a one-stop shop where they can go and find out information um, and get the help they need. And, and, you know, you mentioned fraud. It's always a concern of ours, but, you know, we know that the veterans and military family community are twice as likely as civilians to be targeted by con artists. So they, um, you know, they're out there, they're stealing personal military information, they're setting up fake veterans charities, they, they have VA benefit fraud, they've got bogus job schemes. Um, and and illegally charging for military records that are free to veterans. So there's so many things out there that are going on, and we just want to make sure people have the the tools and the information they need. You know, those fraudsters are out there for everybody, but they're really targeting veterans. They are. They're targeting veterans, and they're targeting those that are trying to help veterans as well as some of the uh, fake uh, veterans uh, operations and different uh, charities that try to help them out as well. So it's a great concern. Yeah, it really is. We got about a minute left here. Talk about what else is going on with the AARP, uh, with some of the virtual stuff, some of the entertainment, the movies for grownups. What's going on with you guys? Yeah, we've got a lot of things coming up in December that we've got um, the safety and benefits of new car technology. Um, We've got a session about holiday desserts from around the world. Of course, we want to stay fit during the, during the Christmas season, you know, as we run around shopping, but so we've got some We've got a cool one called Exercise Disco Dance and Fitness Class. Um, we've got we're still doing the trivia, so if people want to do that, and then we're going to show movies for grownups. It's going to show um, It's a Wonderful Life, one of my favorite films, on December sixteenth. So, um, and there's even coming up a guide to shopping on Amazon, some meditation, 
all kinds of things. And you can just go to aarp.org slash KS to our events page and sign up for any of those. Most of those you don't even have to be an AARP member to take advantage of. Sure. I love it. Always great information. AARP.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also find their social media as well. Mary, we always appreciate the time very much. Enjoy. We'll chat with you again next week. Thanks, Andy. It was great talking to you today. There it is. That's the latest update from the AARP. We always appreciate them. We'll get another one next week. That does it for us today. Holy cow. Show's already done. Flies right on by two hours, man. Just not long enough. Always want to thank you guys for checking us out, tuning in every single Saturday as we talk about all the latest stuff going on in the state of Kansas, the city of Wichita, the county commission, and a heck of a lot more. Next week, our final episode of 2022. Can you believe it? We're already there at the end of the year as we have Christmas Eve the next week and New Year's Eve the week after that. So next week will be it. Dr. Christina Gonzalez, Hope Family Medicine. She'll talk about ways to try and stay healthy during flu season. And we'll have Davis Liquor Out. Let's talk about some of the adult beverages going into the holidays with friends and family, whether it's for enjoyment or whether it's to escape some of the family and friends. Whatever the purpose is, we'll talk with them coming in. I'm excited. We have... Quarter number one, Yingling, the beer from Pennsylvania, officially coming to Kansas. I'm kind of excited about that. So we'll have to plug that next week as well. Until then, though, everybody have a great weekend. We're back at it on Monday for The Voice Reason. Next Saturday, 9 to 11 for Kansas Talk. Until then, have a great weekend. This is Kansas Talk. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.